Dative, Integrative and Preventive Healthcare. The content discussed in this episode is for informative purposes only and should not be replaced by individualized professional consultations or professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni, and we're here to discuss lifestyle medicine. So hi everyone, today we want to speak about the impact of being in a specific type of toxic relationship, which is the one with a narcissistic uh, person and the impact that you could have emotionally speaking and even physically speaking. And to speak about this, we have a London-based chartered clinical psychologist and an associate fellow of the British Psychology Society, Dr. Daksha Harani, with us today. She has over 20 years of experience working in this field, where in the last seven years of her profession, um, her interest in recovery from narcissistic abuse has grown, particularly to help clients overcome any type of narcissistic abuse. Welcome, Dr. Hirani, to Dr. the Podcast. Thank you for contacting me and for giving me this opportunity to speak. Well, it is a heavy topic. Uh, it's a serious and heavy uh, topic. And I kind of to share a bit of a personal aspect of it. I think in the past, I fell for a narcissist. Again, I'm not really sure because I never really spoke about it with someone uh, who can give me the, you know, the tools or to help me recognize it. So I think that uh, this conversation will help a lot of women out there or men as well who are in these uh, toxic relationships. And the patterns that I saw myself going is I was questioning myself all the time and it really took a lot of my mental capacity. I was I felt that I was obsessed about the situation and I was thinking, did I do something wrong? Uh, Can I do something differently for this to, to go well for, to not have a bad reaction. So I was always on edge. And so I think I classified him uh, as a narcissist. Again, I still am not really sure. When people come to see me many times will be saying, Hey, look, I don't know. I'm just not feeling like myself or I've got anxiety I've got depression and we can talk a little bit more about how people might present. So, you know, people aren't going to say, ah, right. I'm suffering from narcissistic abuse. I'm going to come and see, go and see a therapist. It's, it's something that trickles down over time, drop by drop. And you start to realize and once people's knowledge base increases about what narcissism is, what narcissistic abuse is, then they get a sense of, aha, the penny drops that these are the kind of people in my life that are not actually gunning for me. They're not really gunning for my success or my happiness. They're actually just takers. And they can be in all shapes or forms. They can be in the form of your work colleagues or your intimate partners or husbands or wives or siblings or mother and father. You know, it can be in all of these respects. And you think, surely not in your own family. But unfortunately, these people exist and they do sap the energy. And it's not a good place to be. Yeah, so maybe we could backtrack a little bit and understand what is a narcissistic person and then from there, understand what narcissistic abuse looks like. Essentially, narcissistic people have an inflated sense of their own importance. They have a deep need to exercise attention and uh, want a lot of attention, admiration and be the center of attention Uh, They will tend to have lots of troubled relationships in their past. And the essential thing that runs through all types of narcissists is a lack of empathy for others. So, you know, whilst narcissism is sort of on a spectrum, you get people with a little bit of narcissism and people who are out on the other end of the spectrum, which is really quite severe. 
But in terms of right. uh, looking right. at the diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders, you know, narcissistic personality disorder is an entrenched personality trait and a type, which is a mental disorder. There is something that is fundamentally difficult with this challenge and challenging for these personalities that makes life difficult for them, let alone the people around them. How do you diagnose somebody with a narcissistic personality disorder? In, in, in essence, they need to have a pervasive pattern of say grandiosity or wanting to be the center of attention. There's a need for admiration and attention. They have fantasies about power, success, beauty, or an idealized version of love that they think is, is that perfect and they aim for that, they go for that perfectness. They also have a sense of entitlement, like, you know, I'm entitled to this without mm. thinking of gratitude is a pervasive sense of entitlement mm. and the belief that they are special, they're unique and they have this high status and they almost need to have that in order to fluff themselves up. And they have a tendency to exploit others for their benefit. And this is where mm. it comes. And this is where the manipulation comes in. This is where everybody is an object around them for their benefit to serve them and this leads to a lot of arrogant behaviors as well so we understand these patterns and some of those patterns if i were to apply it to the person i was i mentioned in the beginning of the conversation he does fit some of those patterns but not necessarily all how do you differentiate this very good point because Narcissists come in many, many ways. Not all narcissists are great at being very charismatic and uh, attractive and the center of alpha male or alpha female. Narcissists can also be what we call, for example, covert narcissists. You know, they can be uh, quite introverted, but they're always scheming and they're always working at their own benefit. So you don't know that they have this you know, they're not overtly narcissistic, but they have this covert sense. But the thing about manipulativeness goes through. You also get uh, compassionate and communal narcissists, which, you know, will go out there to be the saviors of everybody. Look, I'm doing such a great job. I'm such a savior. I'm such a goody goody. Mm. And but the reason why they're doing it is because they want adoration and admiration. It's got nothing to do with bettering the people around them. Or you get somatic narcissists who are forever the victim. You know, they've got this ailment or that ailment or this person did this or this person. You know, and they're always the ones who are the victim of everything. Now, narcissists can present in all these different shapes and forms. And the ones that are entrenched in this way of being will move from one to the other as the situation sees fit. So sometimes they might be very grandiose, but then if they know that this situation, I can't be this, They'll be quite compassionate. They're like chameleons. They change and they move around. Well, well, that's really tough because basically yeah. undercover all the time and you have, uh, you don't really have a way to confidently assess it. And mm. um, what do you think are some of the drivers of the abuser? Why are they, it comes from somewhere, isn't it? Yes, it does. And, you know, a, a true narcissist is formed, uh, it'll start from their childhood, where, you know, their upbringing is such that they are 
they're given and they're fluffed up to be these amazing people and they've been told right. for example by the matria you're amazing you're great you're beautiful you're this and my children are the best and my children are the you know it sort of gets passed down uh, through families the key here is they are not given the skills to be great to be amazing so it's just a very superficial kind of thing so they they believe they're great but they actually don't have the qualities to be great and that's what forms the narcissistic personality and the types honestly when you describe all of this i feel like a bunch of names came up in my head one and two when you say like when the matriarch kind of uh pours this sort of information into a child at a young age i'm like this is like every south asian family i know <laughs> Yeah. So I mean not to make light of it but seriously it sounds like you know you hear the 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 terrible stories of like moms who are just uh, obsessed over their their the, sons and yeah the glorification the and especially like in south asian families where you see like men always being prioritized and also put on a pedestal and they can do very little and still be praised so much and then for women to do everything and then for them to you know be picked on for the small thing that they didn't do and which is very confusing right because as you're explaining and kind of describing the traits of a narcissist it sounds like it's traits that everyone could potentially carry but you just you don't know what what the line is of like well between... I, i yeah i don't think that everybody would carry these traits and i'll tell you why the big central difference is a lack of empathy right so if you have somebody who's been brought up to you know it, it, like a, a spoiled boy you know there's a mummy's boy and everything but if he is extremely empathetic to the people around him right then he's not going to exhibit uh, narcissistic traits which are such that um you know he walks around everybody and treats people with disrespect including women So the the key here is empathy. If you have a right. sense that actually if I shout at this uh at my wife or my girlfriend or if I treat this person or that person in a in a bad way it's going to hurt their feelings then actually that person's not exhibiting narcissistic behavior because they're monitoring and managing their behavior such that it minimizes the hurt and despair that is spread around. Narcissists don't do that. Can a person exhibit narcissistic behavior in just certain circumstances and not in other areas of their life they can do that but then the empathy is going to be you know for a true narcissist empathy is not true empathy it's the empathy that is shown in order for them to get somewhere right so in the beginning when you meet a narcissist and if they're in that love bombing stage you know they want to show you the person that there's this amazing great person they will mirror exactly what it is that you like in 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 your in a partner and then you feel like you've met your lifelong partner but that mm-hmm. empathy is in order to catch something and to get what they want it's always about them it's not about you and wanting to get to know you that's what it is with the narcissists and the narcissistic personality disorders right so that's an interesting point so they're using the behaviors or the the qualities that are needed for them to get to somewhere basically and so if empathy is one of them they're going to portray empathy oh Ooh, this is a tough one this yeah. is a very dangerous one if, okay you know if they want to be seen as the victim or oh, i've had such a poor childhood they will right. put crocodile tears and the eyes will look into your soul 
and you'll think like you want to rescue this person and you know mend this poor them for women who are in this situation why is it so hard for women and men actually i i don't want to single out for whoever is in a relationship in of that sort how do they extract extract themselves from from this type of relationship you see the the key here uh going back to what you were saying is this is a tricky one how do you know well actually the the best way you can know is to listen to your gut this is not mm. about the narcissist this is not you know narcissistic abuse recovery is actually not about the narcissist it's got nothing to do with the narcissist it's got to do everything with you and your mm. gut instinct to say how, how am i feeling so the signs that you might be experiencing narcissistic abuse second guessing yourself and so on you feel burnt out you're exhausted you're anxious you're depressed you feel like you're walking on eggshells you know mm. nothing you do is correct you know you're you get very uh, anxious you know, there's a lot of this is a trauma so people with who suffered narcissistic abuse will end up suffering from what i would say complex post traumatic stress disorder because you are manipulated year on year and some of the clients i work with have been in relationships for over 30 years and then they found the courage to leave it's mm-hmm. not easy to leave because what the narcissist does is they target your fears that's the only way a narcissist can get to you by through your wounds and by by your wounds i mean your insecurities so for example narcissists throw crap at you they throw a lot of crap at you and whatever crap sticks is what they're going to use against you and right. when i say crap this, this is what i mean if you think of the acronym crap c r a p c is the fear of criticism if you're going to fear that oh what is the society going to say to me or you know if you have shame or blame or so you feel criticized then they're going to make sure that they play on that fear of yours so you end up staying with them or there's the fear of rejection i'm going to reject you in which case you know if you don't have a good social support around you then that might be the reason why you stay fear of abandonment which is the a so if you fear that you're going to be abandoned because you have those insecurities then that will come up and one which is very very frequent uh and i see a lot with south asian women is the p which is the fear of punishment you know if you don't do what i do i'm going to punish you and the punishment comes in the form of anger outbursts silent treatment you know um manipulating or just making your life so miserable that you will just do whatever it takes just to make peace and have it be smooth over just just to have a not as much of a hassle so that's the crap Well, yeah, that's a good acronym to kind of fall back on to recognize if this is something that is affecting you. Is it possible that a narcissist don't even recognize that he is being a narcissist to you? I think it is very possible that they don't label themselves as narcissists. They might not know the word. Many narcissists actually know that they're narcissists. but right. every narcissist does know that what they're doing to you is wrong 
the manipulation basically they know mm. the effects of it they know exactly right. how it's going to affect you but the difference is they don't care so it's <laughs> not that they don't know that they're doing bad or wrong they are doing that and if somebody was to do the same behavior to them they would not tolerate it for one bit they would be like how dare they attack me to be seen as a personal attack that needs world war 3 they can give it any any anyhow and you just have to take it so that's where the entitlement right. comes in this is this is really like difficult actually because it's not it's not so straightforward for someone to identify this and then to say like you know what this is just a toxic relationship for me how do i get out of this and also from the perspective of a narcissist right can it be something that your your family members are maybe predominantly narcissistic and then you also develop this habits because or these these ways of doing things because you're not going to get the attention that you need so you need to survive in the situation can that be something that's passed on or is it something that you think is kind of inherently a part I, of yeah i think it's both you've got the little bit of genetic um, aspects to it and then also how your neurology sort of forms the neuropsychology forms as a child as you become attached i know beautiful beautiful individuals who've come from narcissistically abusive families who've turned out to be anything but that they've turned out to be caring kind nurturing and lovely but the only way they've been able to survive and create a beautiful life for themselves is when they move away from that toxic environment of the family otherwise they're not able to to hold the two together mm. when you are suffering from narcissistic abuse even when you're in the relationship sometimes you think there's no way i'm going to be heard unless i mimic some of these narcissistic behaviors and so you might start copying them but i can guarantee you if you're with a malignant narcissist they're always five steps ahead of you and you will exhaust yourself in trying to be you mm. know play their game but you will not be able to win it's not for them winning is everything for you it's not about winning it's about doing the right thing or big about justice about making sure you're heard they don't care about any of that is there any positive narcissism I have heard of that word being thrown around or even healthy narcissistic uh, behaviors and so on. I personally am of the view that you're just then talking about good self-esteem. You know, mm. good boundary keeping. Right. The word, the word narcissism is by very nature one who is only interested in themselves and not regarding the environment around them at all. So rather than using the word narcissism which I don't think fits well I would move it to having good self esteem having good self care good self worth good self confidence all of that is not narcissistic behavior so for example if I'm teaching clients on how do you create healthy boundaries a lot of the people and especially people and women from south asian cultures find that they live with so much obligation i'm obligated to be the to the good daughter the good partner the good wife the good everything and you you there's so much obligation or if they are not fulfilling their obligations in a sense they end up feeling guilty 
Now, of course, there's also fear of the crap. So now there's another acronym that comes in place, which is FOG, fear, obligation, and guilt. When you're in FOG, you can't see things clearly. You're not able to see, you know, the wood for the trees. You don't know whether if you saying, no, I don't want to do this, is you being selfish or you looking after yourself in terms of self-care? So when you are surrounded by fog, the key here is to clear that fog by looking inward. Go inside yourself and say, what is my motivation behind doing something? So if I have uh, somebody who invites me out and I think, well, actually, today I'm tired. I don't particularly want to go out and I'm going to say no. If by saying no, you say, I'm, the reasons I'm doing this is because I need to look after myself. That is not a narcissistic behavior. That is just you asserting your boundaries and your reasoning is because you want to not go. If you then start experiencing guilt, and obligation, oh, what will they think of me? I need to go, maybe I'll miss out. You know, there's the fear of missing out, FOMO, all of that. That, it would be the wrong reasons of you doing something. Now with the narcissist, what they'll do is they will say, if I was to go out, have I got a benefit here? Financially, socially, emotionally, psychologically, and only if they're gonna have a benefit out of that, they're going to go there. Otherwise, they're not interested. So the intention behind the behavior is very crucial. Is it self-serving that I'm only going to do something because it's going to be good for me and it's going to benefit me, or I'm going to do something because at the moment I need to look within and look after myself. On the surface, it looks very similar, but they're actually different things. Talking about asserting yourself, creating boundaries and trusting your gut, right? How do we get there? How do we, how do we create this environment where we can protect ourselves and, and also take care of ourselves, but at the same time, like spot all these, these things? Well, the thing is, you know, if you want to clear the fog, firstly, you've got to be able to see things as they are. And when crap is thrown at you, your attention is always on the crap, right? It's like fear or the yeah. fog. And that's where the attention is not supposed to be because for as long as the attention is there, you're not able to focus on yourself. And I always start with sort of mindfulness exercises with my clients that just gets them grounded to actually start feeling their bodies again, really connecting with their bodies, connecting with their sensations, their emotions. Yeah. You see, mindfulness is not necessarily a relaxation technique. I think it is a technique that is extremely powerful to let you be able to see things as they are. So when it is done correctly, because I know there are many uh, mindfulness techniques out there, they're not actually true mindfulness, and so it doesn't work. But once, you, once I guide them into that, they start to form the foundation of starting to learn to sit with their discomfort of whatever's coming up, be it anxiety and so on, and then to separate it out to see is this anxiety functional? It's actually giving me a warning sign. I've got to watch out for this person. And if so, then what can you do to overcome your fears so that you can live a life that is in line with your values 
rather than in line with your fears. Now to do all of that, I think psychotherapy is very, very helpful. But I would, A, I would urge people that if you are going to seek psychotherapy for narcissistic abuse, make sure that you go and see a therapist who is specialist in that. Because otherwise the danger is that if you go to somebody saying, I have got difficulties with managing three balls in the air, and the, the therapist says, right, no problem. I'm going to teach you how to manage five balls in the air. All you've done is increased, in, in that case, the therapist will have just increased the resilience of this uh, poor client to take on even more crap and manage all this crap coming on right. and still keeping their life going. So it actually serves, it, it can be more dangerous. So you want to really make sure that the therapist is, is in a good, is a good solid uh, expertise in narcissistic abuse. Make sense? Mm, completely. So we covered the victim side of it. When you are a nar- narcissist, is there a way for you to undo some of, you know, your patterns? If you realize that you are actually the perpetrator, is there a healing process for them as well? I, there is. And I, I am always hopeful and I'm always optimist. Uh, but I would say to you that, you know, for somebody seeking therapy for their narcissistic uh, personality, the evidence is very, very strong. You don't cure yourself. There's no like a cure for it. It is a personality trait. It's a bit like, uh, you know, somebody saying to, you know, coming to me or me going to somebody and uh, saying, I'm too empathetic. Can you take that empathy out of me? It's not Mm. something, you know, if you say, how do you make somebody less empathetic? It is somebody who they are. And if you're going to care and feel that connection with the humanity, it's there. But if you know that that connection to that humanity is in such a way that it is harming you, then you learn to put boundaries up in a healthy way. So it works for you. And so for the narcissist is to learn that their behavior patterns are literally alienating all the people around them again and again and again, and they just can't get it right. So they, they can be learned. It's almost like behavioral training. You know, to put it very crudely, you can teach a narcissist if they're always late, don't be late. You'll find that they will be able to get there on time to a meeting or whatever, but then don't bank on them actually listening to the meeting. They'll be there, but they're not actually engaged. So it's, mm. the, the progress is going to be very slight. I always say, if you know that you're around a really malignant uh, narcissist, the best thing for you to do is to move away, step away, if possible, go absolutely no contact with them. There are 8 billion people on the planet. Go and look for people who are loving, kind, because they are there. In this sort of situation, right? Like, okay, if, you, if you're choosing to be a friend with a narcissistic person or if you're choosing to be a friend or in a relationship with someone, yes, I think this is maybe a more approachable method or, or like realistic or practical method. But what if like you're born into a family and your parents are narcissistic or your sibling is narcissistic? Like that's a tough situation. How do you navigate that, right? Absolutely. I, I think all situations are tough. Even if you've been in a relationship, you know, yeah. I wouldn't say just because you're in a relationship with a narcissist, leave them. 
because there are many reasons why you might not be able to leave them. You, you might have still a lot of fear and a lot of crap that you've got to deal with yourself. It might not be safe for you to leave. You know, just because you find, choose to stay in a narcissistic relationship doesn't mean that you are to blame. You've got mm. to figure, every person has to figure out for themselves at what point do they feel safe enough to stand in their own truth to go. And this is an individual journey for everybody. I would say don't judge anyone for anything, regardless of where they are in their, in their relationships. Now, if you are yeah. born into a, into a family with uh, and people who have narcissistic traits, I would apply the very same rules. Personally got relationships and family relationships or extended family relationships where I know that the individuals are highly, highly, narcissistic and toxic you know they might be communal narcissists or whatever but you know that being around mm -hmm. them your life is never going to be good then you step away regardless of them being your mother father brother sister and this is where you try and overcome your obligation and your guilt when you want to mm -hmm. choose your own well-being and your own sanity but of course i'm dealing with uh, people who I've worked with who are on the extreme end, who've suffered immense abuse at the hands of their family, at the hands of their parents, mother or father or right. brother or sister or cousin or grandfather, whatever. And to say that, well, you were born into it, so you're going to put up with it. I would say, no, no human being should live in fear, regardless of who they are. And I have seen sad stories where mothers who have loved their children very much but whose sons or daughters have been narcissistic and they've had to cut all contact with them because they need to actually be safe and to live safely the the actual decision of stepping away is a personal journey of as you said identifying feeling safe to make that move and weighing the guilt versus the fear it's very hard to hear all this because it feels like it's um boils down to the individual to make that decision and and being aware of of the change to to be made and of course with help you can be guided in making those decisions but ultimately it's it seems like it's your own awareness and decisions to to go forward uh what would be something else that they can they can do to be able to help themselves really get yourself acquainted read some books or you know just educate yourself increase your insight and awareness and then go and seek uh, psychotherapeutic support or programs that will help you to go towards that and again with the programs be picky and choosy and go with the one that works for you and if that doesn't work for you go to another don't stop until you find the help. That's a that's a really good tip, and I think I think people need to know that because maybe they might be looking in the wrong places and they've not gotten the right type of help that they they want and need. Well, that's a really good way for us to kind of uh, close off our conversation. So we do our closing rapid fire questions. So the first question is, what is the first sign to you that when you are out of balance? Well, when I'm uh... When I'm out of bed, I will notice that I'm restless. And I might also feel a little bit of anxiety. And so that goes to our second question, which is what are the methods of coping with, you know, the signs of imbalance? 
mindfulness for me is the best one. And some time on my own. I love going for very, very long walks. I like running, nature. That's great. That's a good one. Um, and the third one is, uh, is there a book that has impacted your approach to well-being and wellness? Oh, gosh. Now, that is a really difficult question because I love reading and I have sort of books galore. I can't pick up one one or two books. But I guess the book that uh, I went to when I suffered from narcissistic abuse was uh, nothing to do with narcissistic abuse. It was to do, it was called The Happiness Trap by Dr. Russ Harris. And uh, Dr. Russ Harris is somebody that I have tr trained with. And I love the way that this particular therapeutic approach approaches how to deal with unpleasant thoughts, unpleasant emotions, and just challenges that you face such that they don't dictate your life and that you can mm. move forward to leading a life that you value. So for, for me, that one comes very, very strong. But I do want to mention another one, which I think is really powerful. And I always go to it whenever life gets really difficult for me. And that is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And okay. that tells me, you know, if you, if you can see that actually somebody can take everything away from you, but yet you can come out like a phoenix, nobody can touch you. These are very powerful uh, words to end our conversation with you. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast and um, raising awareness on a very specific uh, type of toxic relationships. And we hope that it, it will help um, people out there who are in this situation. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Hey listeners, Dr. Hirani will be running an online program on recovery from narcissistic abuse in April 2022. To register your interest, you can find the link in our show notes and our social media platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button. For now, stay safe and we'll see you next week.